It's wonderful to be back again, be able to share the Word of God with you today. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about the function of the local church, focusing more in on why there is a need for us to be a part of a local church. Before we get into the message, let's just open in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity once again to have a look at what your Word teaches us. And Lord, I pray that as we do this, you would give us the ability to grasp, to comprehend, to really grasp and comprehend why there is a need for us to be a part of a local community of believers. I ask, Father, that you would take the words that you have given me and that as I share them, Lord, you would impart them, that you would teach them, you would enlighten people's understanding through them. And Lord, that our eyes might be fully opened to this truth, the truth of why we need to be a part of a local assembly of believers. So we ask this today, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a time which we read about in Matthew chapter 16, where the Lord Jesus turned to his apostles and he said to them, Who do people say that I am? And the apostles began to tell them what people were saying about him, who they were saying he was. And I'm sure that you're familiar with the story. And then after they had told him that, he turned to them and said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up on behalf of all the apostles, as he so often did. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And when the Lord Jesus heard him say that, he said to Peter, you're blessed. You're blessed by my father because this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And then he made a statement. He said to Peter, Peter, uh, your name is going to be Peter. And he said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it or prevail against it. What did the Lord Jesus mean when he said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church? You know, he was talking about there what he intended to do. He was talking there about what the whole focus and goal of his coming to the earth was about, building what he calls his church. He was talking about assembling and gathering together a, an innumerable company of people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and from every generation and bringing them into one one body which he would call his church. That's what he was talking about when he said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And you know that ever since the Lord came into this world and died on that cross, this is what he has been busy doing. He has been busy building his church. Generation after generation, building his church, bringing people from every walk of life, every sector of society, bringing them together into this one body which he called his church. Do you know that it was to be a part of this incredible people that God called us when he called us to Christ? In fact, God's call is a call to become one of Jesus' people. That's what the call of God is all about. It's to become one of his followers, to become one of the members of his church, this church that he's building. When God calls us to Christ, he's not simply calling us to heaven. 
He's actually calling us to become a part of a people, this people that Jesus Christ is gathering together and assembling, a people whose names are written in heaven. And when someone answers that call and turns in repentance to Christ and is baptized, do you know that they simultaneously, at that very moment that they turn to Christ, become a part of His church? If we were to study Acts chapter 2, we would see that this is exactly what Acts chapter 2 teaches us. Before the day of Pentecost, uh, we see the church of Jesus Christ. This church that he was talking about was about 120 strong in Jerusalem. About 120 people that belonged to the church that Jesus was building were there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. But by the end of that day, it tells us that another 3,000 people had been added to their number. Another 3,000 people had been added to the church that day. You see, as Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and began to proclaim and preach the gospel and share with the people that were in Jerusalem about Jesus and who God had made him to be, God issued a call through him to the people that were there in Jerusalem on that day a call for them to become a part of the people of Jesus Christ, to become a part of this church that Jesus was building. And so we see that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says that those who accepted his message, those who accepted this call that God was bringing to them through the apostle Peter, were baptized, and it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. When they responded to the gospel, when they responded to the, the preaching of the gospel, they were not only saved, but they were added to the church. And this is important for us to be able to see. They were added to the church the moment they turned to the Lord. If we were to continue reading on in Acts chapter 2, we see that in verse 47, it tells us that as the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and devoted themselves to gathering together, to pray together, to break bread together, and as they were taking care of one another and sharing their material possessions one with another and meeting in each other's houses and eating together, it says that they had favor with God. And then it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so what we see there is we see once again that as people were turning in repentance to the Lord and being baptized, they were simultaneously being saved from their sins and added to the church. Added to the church that was there in Jerusalem. Do you know that when we turned to Christ in faith and repentance, when we were baptized in His name, we became part of this church that Jesus Christ is building. The very act that brought us forgiveness for sins and saved us from our sins, this act of turning to Christ and putting our faith in Him, also made us become a part of His church. You see, we cannot separate being saved from being a part of the church, this company of people, this congregation of people that Jesus Christ is building. Let me just read to you from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. Listen to these words that the Apostle Peter wrote. He says, As you, and that the word you there is in the plural. He's speaking to many people. He says, As you come to Jesus, the living stone, 
rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you see what Christ does with us as we come to Him? He immediately begins to join us together with everyone else who is coming to Him. I hope that you can see that from this pa that, that passage that we've just read. Listen to what the writer to, of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. He writes there, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You see, what the writer is saying here is that when we came to Jesus, the mediator of this new covenant that he's talking about, we also simultaneously came to God, the judge of all men. And not only that, we simultaneously came to the church, the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Do you see that when we come to Jesus Christ, we don't just come as individuals to Him and remain that way. We come to Him as individuals, but we are now connected by Him to everybody else that has come to Him. This is what God is doing. This is what Jesus was talking about when He said, I'm going to build my church. When we are joined to Jesus Christ, we become joined not only to Him, but also to everybody else that is joined to Him. When we were called by God, we were called not just into a relationship with God and with Jesus Christ, His Son, we were called into a relationship with every single person that is in relationship with Him. And this means that at the same time we entered into a relationship with Christ and with God through Jesus Christ, we also entered into a relationship with one another, with everyone who belongs to Christ. You know, I know that we know this to be true. And yet what I see is that somehow we have failed to really appreciate this truth and really walk in the light of it. We live in such an individualistic culture that so often we are blind to the corporate nature of God's calling upon our lives. In this me-centered world where uh, everything is consumer-driven and where it's all about me, what I want, what I believe, what is best for me, what suits me. It's so easy for us to fail to see that Christianity is not just about God and me. That is actually about God and His people, God and His church, and that we have been given this indescribably great privilege of being a part of this people, a part of this church. That's what Christianity is all about. I want to say that again, that Christianity is not just about God and me. It's about God and His people. And we have been given this indescribably great privilege to be a part of that people. And I pray today that God would help us to be able to see that. Because unless we see that, we are missing 
the very essence of what God is doing in the world today, what He wants to do with our lives, and even why He sent Jesus Christ. I want to move on and just talk a little bit more about the church that Jesus is building. You see, it's vital that we are able to understand and see from Scripture that the church that Jesus Christ is building, which I said earlier is this massive global universal church taken from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every generation and brought together as one, this global church that He's building actually consists not just of multitudes of people, but it also consists of multitudes of smaller communities of Christ followers scattered throughout the world. In other words, it, it, it is formed through multitudes of what we call local churches. And Scripture refers to these community of believers that are found in towns and cities and villages throughout the world as being churches. And so that's why we see in Scripture uh, at the start of many of the epistles, the letters that the apostles wrote, we see them addressed to the church in Rome or the church in Ephesus or the church in Corinth. So what were those churches? They were communities of believers that lived in a particular locality. And do you know that these communities of believers, which we often refer to today as the local church, is a microcosm of the global church. They are the cells of the global church, this massive multi-generational, multinational church that Jesus Christ is building. They are the building blocks of the church that Jesus is building. And this means something to us. It means that for us to be functionally a part of Christ's global church, His universal church, His eternal church, we also have to be functionally a part of a local church because it is the local church that is the building blocks for the global church. This is so important that we see. When the people in Jerusalem repented and were baptized on the day of Pentecost, they were not only added to the global church, but it says they were added to the number of disciples that were there in Jerusalem. They became a part of the local church that is there in Jerusalem. Back in the early church, if we look in Scripture, we will see that there was no such thing as a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, that was not a part of a local church. And yet today, there are so many believers, strong believers, that follow Christ, love Christ, and yet they do not see a need for themselves to be involved in any local community of believers. And today, I'm wanting to say that that is wrong. And I'm wanting to show you from Scripture why it is wrong. It is vital that every single believer, every single person that confesses the name of Jesus Christ is involved in a local community of believers. Why is this so? What makes being a member of a local church so important? I want to give you three reasons. The first reason is that Christ shepherds His people in the context of a community of believers. Let me say that again. Christ shepherds His people in the context of a community of believers. Let me try and explain what I'm saying. In Scripture, the Lord is referred to 
as the good shepherd. We all know that. John chapter 10, he refers to himself as the good shepherd. In what context do shepherds look after and tend to their sheep? Well, it's very easy to answer that question. It is in the context of a flock. No sheep that is cut off from the flock can be tended for by the shepherd. If a sheep strays away from the flock and is cut off from the flock, a shepherd will immediately go to find that sheep. And then what will that shepherd do when he finds that sheep? He will bring it back into the flock. Why? So that he can tend to it and take care of it. Because it is in the context of a flock that shepherds take care of their sheep. Isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus used this picture, this analogy of shepherds and sheep, when he was speaking about his relationship to us and our relationship to him. We are his sheep, he said, and he is the good shepherd. Listen to what the Lord said in Luke chapter 15 verses 4 to 6. He tells a parable here about a shepherd. And in this parable, he is teaching us a truth. Listen to his words. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. What does it mean when he says he loses one of them? It means that that sheep has been separated from the flock. It has been isolated from the company, the assembly of sheep. What does he, he carries on, he says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. In other words, what he's saying is he brings it back into the flock. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. You see, no shepherd is ever going to be happy if one of his sheep has been separated from his flock. Every shepherd wants every one of his sheep to be gathered together and be a part of that flock. And do you realize that that is the heart of Christ? That is what Jesus Christ wants for every single one of His people. He will never be happy. He will never be satisfied with any one of His sheep being isolated and separated from the flock, the rest of the sheep. And this refers to a very literal flock. You know, sometimes people get this idea that, that we're a part of this mystical church. But when we're a part of this mystical church, we do not see ourselves as being part of a physical, tangible, literal flock of believers. This is what Jesus is talking about. And so this is really what evangelism is all about. Evangelism is all about finding the lost sheep, the sheep that are cut off from the flock, and bringing them to the flock so that they can be shepherded by the shepherd, Jesus Christ. And in bringing people to the shepherd, they have to be brought to the flock because it is in the context of a flock that the shepherd will shepherd his sheep. Do you know that when we look at Scripture, we see that most of the epistles were written to local churches. You see, God was using the apostles and through the apostles, by the Holy Spirit, He was ministering to His people. And how was He doing it? He was doing it to the local church, through the avenue of the local church. This is how God ministers to His people. It's in the context of a congregation, an assembly of believers, what we would call a church. Even in, the, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3, we see the Lord Jesus dictating seven letters to seven churches. 
and giving them to John and telling John to send them to the seven churches. When the Lord Jesus wanted to deal with His people, He spoke to His churches. He sent messages to churches. And so it's very important for us to see this, that this is how God deals with us. This is how God works with His people. He does it in the context of a flock, an assembly, a congregation of people. The second reason why it's really important, so important for us to be a part of a local church is this, that there is something about God's people coming together in the name of Jesus that gets God's special attention. Let me say that again. There is something about God's people coming together in the name of Jesus that gets God's special attention. Something about local churches that gets God's attention because it is in that environment of believers coming together in the name of Jesus that God is, gives special attention to. Let me explain this to you. Let's look at um, some examples of this. In Revelation chapter 1 verses 12 to 13, when John saw Jesus in his glory, when he was revealed to John, as he is today, seated at God's right hand, John saw him standing in the middle of seven lampstands. We can see from the book of Revelation that those lampstands represent seven local churches. And so, we, it's very interesting to note that when Jesus is first revealed, the very first revelation that God chooses to give to us of His glorified Son is one of Him standing in the midst of the seven churches that were there in Asia Minor. These were literal churches, physical, tangible churches that existed in seven cities in Asia Minor. And we see Jesus being revealed to us standing in the midst of those churches. You see, God has a special interest in local churches. Jesus is interested in the flocks that He has that are scattered around the world. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, we see that the Lord said, Where two or three come together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And if you look at the context in which he spoke those words, you will see that he was talking about his church. He was talking about the local church, a real, physical, tangible, literal community of believers. And that's when he spoke those words. You see, it doesn't mean that God is not with us or Jesus is not with us. Christ is not with us when we're on our own. But what the Lord is saying here is that when we come together in his name, there is a presence of the Lord that we cannot find on our own. There is a special presence of the Lord. And it just shows us the great value and the special interest that the Lord has in us gathering together in His name. He does not want us as believers in Him living our lives in isolation. The third reason is this. We will never become all that God wants us to become as His people unless we are a part of a community of believers, unless we're a part of a local church. And I want to say that again. We will never become all that God wants us to become as His people unless we are part of a community of believers, a local church. We mustn't deceive ourselves into thinking that that's not the case. It's through our being part of a local church 
this tangible community of believers that God is going to accomplish His work in our lives and mold us all together into the kind of people that He has called us to be in Christ and created us in Him to be. In fact, let me say this, no believer will grow and become what God wants them to become in isolation. This is why being part of a local church, a local church community, is absolutely essential for every one of us. It is in the context of a local church, this tangible, organized community of believers who live in a shared geographical region that God is going to equip each of us to fulfill our individual roles in the body of Christ, that He's going to give us opportunity to utilize the gifts that He's given us, and that He's going to perfect and complete us in Christ and bring us to maturity in Him. I want to look a, a little bit closer at this, and I want to read a passage to you from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to verse 16. This is what it says. It says, and He gave some, I want you to notice that word, some. He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why did He give them? Verse 12 tells us, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, or the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we will no longer be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. If we really study this passage, and if you were to take some time out, to read it and to really study it, you would see this. Firstly, we would see that the job of the some, those people that some that were given some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be prophets and so on, is to equip the saints for works of service for which God has placed them in the body of Christ to perform. Secondly, we would see that it is only as each and every saint, each and every believer, effectively performs those works of service towards each other, that the whole body of Christ will grow, be built up in love, and come to maturity and Christ-likeness as God intends it to be. You see, the ministry of the sum, those people that we spoke about, we may refer to them as ministry gifts. The ministry of the sum is not on its own sufficient to bring the church as a whole into the place of maturity and Christ-likeness. Every member of the body has to be ministering one to another in order for the body of Christ to be built up and grow in love as God wants it to be. And this doesn't take place 
If this doesn't take place, the whole process is going to be short-circuited and the work of the sum will be made completely pointless. I hope that you're following me and understanding me here. This is why we cannot consider that a one-hour church service where we listen to maybe one person teaching or preaching like I'm doing here today, we cannot consider that to be what church is all about, the fullness of what church is all about. To just go to a service and listen to a Bible teaching is not what church is all about. It's not what the local church is all about. It's a part of it, but it's not all of it. Our involvement in a local church has to go beyond that. And this is why the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and he said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. He said, when you assemble, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. What was he saying? He was saying that our assembling together is for more than just sitting there and receiving from a pastor. It has to involve each of us contributing and ministering to each other in the various ways God has gifted us to do. The job of the pastor, the job of church leadership is to facilitate this and oversee it and make sure it is done in an orderly way and that it is edifying everyone. This is why the writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. He said, let's not forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In verse 24 of the same chapter, he said this, we must stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And in chapter 3 verses 12 to 14, he said this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Do you see the connection between assembling together and encouraging one another and stirring one another up towards love and good works? Our assembling together should not be limited to the purpose of just listening to a sermon. It must also be to encourage one another, to check up on each other's spiritual, emotional and physical health, to pray for each other, to strengthen the weak knees, to lift up the hands that hang down, and to stimulate each other towards love and good works. You see, as believers in Christ, we all have an obligation, a debt towards each other, to love and care for each other spiritually, emotionally, and physically, to encourage each other, to pray for one another, to build each other up in the Lord, to strengthen the weak that are amongst us, to walk patiently and lovingly with each other through life, to watch out for each other, to carry each other's heavy burdens, to make sure that none of us strays from the Lord and that none of us becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you see how necessary it is for us to be a part of a devoted community of believers? You will never be able to serve Christ in the way that God has created you to serve Him 
unless you are a part of such a community. It's only in the context of a community of believers that the ministry gifts, the sum that uh, Paul talked about in Ephesians 4.11, can fully do their job of equipping the saints for works of ministry. And it's only in the context of a community of believers that the saints, once equipped for those ministries, can perform those ministries one to another. And it's only in the context of a community of believers that we will all together come into the maturity and Christ-likeness that God seeks in each and every one of us. This is why online church will never suffice. Because for us to become what God wants us to become, it requires us to be a part of a real physical group of people. People that love Him and follow Him. And it's, it's required for us to be able to walk together through life. That's what God requires of us. And that's the way we will become what God really wants us to become. And this is why I said that when someone isolates themselves by refusing to be a part of a real physical community of believers, they effectively cut themselves off from the system that God has put in place for their perfection, their growth in Christ, and their effective service of Christ. My prayer today is that through this message, God will enable each and every one of us to grasp three things. Number one, the importance of being a part of a physical community, a literal community of believers, which we can journey with through life. Secondly, what being a part of a local church means and why God wants us to be part of one. So we can all become ministers and servants of one another and all be involved in the building of Christ's body. And thirdly, what our coming together as believers is all about. Not just to hear a sermon, not just to sing a few songs, although that's part of it, but to minister one to another, to build up, to encourage, to edify one another by the Holy Spirit, enabling us. Today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to let go of your self-dependence and your independence and to get fully involved in the community of believers, not half-heartedly, but fully, not just for the sake of receiving for yourself, but for the sake of also being able to give to others what God has given you, to be able to minister to others what you have received from God. I have no doubt that in doing this and doing it with persistence, with endurance, you will find such great blessing. There will be such a deepening of your walk with God, such a sense of joy and satisfaction when you commit yourself to this. It may not always be easy. In fact, I'll tell you right now, it won't always be easy because it's real life and it's with real people. And so there will be times when there might be some conflict and strife. There will be opportunity for you to be offended. You, you will be tested. Your devotion to Christ and your devotion to His people will be tested. And your heart will be exposed at times. And there will be things in your hearts that will be shown, both to you and to other people that you'll have to deal with. But if you will endure and not throw in the towel and go back to isolating yourself again, you will be sharpened by the rest of believers around you. You will be refined through God working in their midst and you will grow 
And ultimately, you'll become all that God has called you to be and all that He intends you to be. And you'll become a blessing and a part of the building of the body of Christ. This is what the church is all about. This is what the local church is all about. And this is what God's calling on your life is all about. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that through your word we become wise, wise for salvation, wise about your calling, wise about what is your will. We come to know what is your will for our lives. Lord, as I've shared today from your scriptures, I pray, Lord, that not one person who hears this message would harden their heart to it. Not one person who hears this message would turn away from it or reject it. But I pray, Father, that every single one of us would have submissive, yielded, and obedient hearts towards you. Hearts that will move us to do what is necessary to not only hear these words, but to put them into practice. Lord, we want to be part of the community of believers that you have called us to be part of. We want to be devoted to them. We want to be committed to them. We want to learn how to love and walk together. And Lord, we want to see your church built, your body becoming greater, not only in our locality, but Lord, throughout the whole world. So Father, I commit these words to you and ask that you would take them and do with them as you intended when you gave them to us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as I finish off today, if there's any one of you that's watching this video and you're not a part of a community of believers, a real organized community of believers, and you want to be, you hear this message and you realize you need to be, at the bottom of the message on YouTube, in the description, you will see the details of Harvest Church there, our phone number, our contact details, and you can very easily contact us. You can go onto our website. You can find out where we will be meeting once we're allowed to meet, and uh, you'll be able to join up with us, and we'd be very happy to have you as a part of our company of believers, to be a part of the flock that God has placed us in, uh, a flock that we believe uh, is devoted and committed to loving each other and to serving Christ. So God bless you all. I pray that this word will have helped you. I pray that it will have strengthened you. And I pray that it will really focus each and every one of us to be a part of this community, Harvest Church, and to be a part of it with our whole hearts, uh, not half-heartedly, but completely. God bless you all. And have a wonderful day.